Welcome to episode seven of the CoinPress podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Caldwell, blockchain architect and co-founder of the CoinUs Group. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. So today, we're talking about some fun topics. We've got tokenomics and the CoinUs CLI. So uh, to start us off, let's let's start with the technical side, CoinUs CLI. So you architected uh, the, the CLI. Um, now, not everybody listening may be aware of what that means. So that's a command line interface. Um, now, that's a fairly technical piece of the, the puzzle here for Coinos. So can you talk about who that's for? Who's who's the target audience of the, the CLI? Sure. So, I mean, like you said, it's a rather technical piece. Um, it's mainly intended for uh, developers, node operators, power users. I mean, anyone, um, I tried to make the interface simple enough that uh, anyone, if they really wanted to, could learn it. But, you know, it's going to be of most use to uh, more technical users in general. For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so like as a developer, if I'm looking to do something with Coinos, um, I can use the CLI to you know, do, do whatever I <laughs> whatever I need to do on the blockchain, that can be my means of at least trying out um, what I want to do before I, you know, build it in a, a program or something like that. Um, cool. So why would I, as a dev, really need to use the CLI? Right. Well, there, yeah. there's, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, oh no. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, as a as a blockchain developer. First of all, you know we, we're using it extensively now uh, to interact with with the test node, uh, you know, test network. And uh, as we develop, we're trying to. Uh, I just lost it. I'm sorry. Can we start over? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. My mind turned to mashed potatoes. It happens to me all the time. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about how for you all. Um, it makes sense that for the Coinos group, with your actively developing the mm -hmm. blockchain, you need a way to, uh, you know, to interact with well, it. Well, yeah, absolutely. It was we were. I mean, <laughs> we were just using curl commands and, and horrible, gotcha. horrible terminal commands. It was a real pain, for sure. So this is a piece that's going to be, well, probably already is fairly well battle tested, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we we are using it extensively. Um, no. Gotcha. So yes. So for for slightly more average users, um, the like we have there's a community member working on uh, the Condor wallet, which is like a you know a visual lives in your browser, similar to MetaMask uh, type of interface, um, and you could probably build the majority of the functionality of the CLI into something like that. Um, but what does this offer beyond that for people who are looking to go a little bit deeper? Sure. So something uh, something this provides is a a really simple. Um, I mean, if you learn to use the tools, it provides a, a really simple command interface that you can. Um, you know, once you know how to use that, it's not like you're learning you're learning uh, GUIs that would have to be auto generated to work with smart contracts or you know, what would have to happen in Condor. It's a, a really simple command line interface for, for technical people. 
Um, and you, you have the ability to script it so you can, you know, more easily, uh, if you're again, a technical user and you want to do, you know, several operations in an automated fashion with this, then, uh, well, you can, uh, you know, you can write scripts that interface with it very easily. And in fact, the, the faucet is using it to interact with the blockchain. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so if, if you're not if you're listening, you're not familiar with the faucet, there is a channel on Discord. I think it's Discord. Yeah. Where you can um, basically give yourself uh, T coins or you know, coin on the test network. Um, and you know, see different balances and things uh, of different um, wallets on the blockchain, on the test net. Uh, is that accurately representing the, the faucet? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, so useful way to, to go and interact with uh, your, your wallet without necessarily having to do it through uh, the CLI, but you could, you, you don't have to use the faucet. Um, theoretically, you could use the CLI mm-hmm. to do the same thing if the faucet is, is doing that. Yep. Cool. Uh, all right. So, that makes a lot of sense. So for most people who are looking into CoinHouse, looking to get involved, to develop on this or whatever, I would imagine that uh, the people who are going to need and benefit from the CLI probably already know who they are. Uh, if you're not somebody who uses command line regularly, um, this might not be the way that you go about doing things. But you know, if you have a big idea and want to figure out how to make it come to pass on the blockchain, uh, you might find yourself having to learn command line um, to, to go about doing that. But anyway, cool. So going from the CLI, highly technical topic, we're, Coinos is really all about accessibility, right? That's the mission, mm-hmm. accelerating decentralization through accessibility. So how do you think about accessibility when working on things that are technical, like the CLI? Yeah, no, that's a a good question. I really, when I approached it, having used uh, CLIs for other blockchains or just in general, um, I prefer simplicity. I don't like, you know, I I don't like when there's a lot of really awful things to memorize. I don't like when, uh, you know, when when it's just, a big scary mess. So really I I thought about what, you know, what do I want? What's the simplest way that I could have this work, um, be powerful. And, you know, I I made a tool that I wanted to use and I I approached it in, you know, in that way from every direction I could. Very cool. Yeah. And I know uh, it's always easier in my experience to build uh, accessible things when you're building them for yourself. Um, a lot of people try to build a business for, uh, you know, a customer segment that they're not part of. Um, I mean, I don't know, like simple example might be something like an app for doctors who do use to use in their job. Uh, if you're not a doctor, you don't know what's accessible to doctors. Um, but for you and for the rest of the Coinos group, you are developers. So you're building tools for developers. Um, I think I've heard it thrown around by developers for developers or, you know, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that is what we're about. <laughs> absolutely. Cool. 
Um, well, awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate the work you you put into the CLI. I looked through uh, the docs. I've I've run one or two commands. I haven't gone deep on it yet, but it seems very well thought out. So appreciate the thought you put into that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, awesome. So I think we drained the the CLI uh, discussion there. I, I'm sure there's there's more questions I could ask, but uh, I think for for now, let's shift gears over to tokenomics. So uh, for anybody listening who doesn't know, tokenomics is just a cute word <laughs> invented by somebody in blockchain um, that basically just means the economics of your token. Um, token in this case being coin, or if you're on Ethereum, ETH or Bitcoin or whatever, right? So economics, obviously there's supply and demand, um, but for, for Coinos in particular, uh, y'all bootstrapped this project with an ERC-20 token, so a token on the Ethereum network. Uh, long-term, it's gonna be a, its own blockchain with its own token natively. Um, but I'm curious if you could talk about the differences between the ERC-20 and the, the mainnet token. Well, I mean, uh, of course, the uh, the ERC-20 is is on the Ethereum chain right. and when we when we launch mainnet that's you know that's going to be a, a separate token of course there's going to be some way for users that hold uh, erc20s to have the the equivalent on the main on the main network um, right you know so of course one of the big differences that uh, that i would love to to mention is that uh, right now if you're trading the erc20s it, you have to pay the you know, those awful Ethereum fees, right? Those gas fees. Right. And that is not going to be the case, of course, with the mainnet token with, with our fee-less nature. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's obviously why most people are, are here, right? We've got, mm -hmm. uh, in order to even buy coin, you have to buy Ethereum first. Yes. Um, so uh, in the future, that won't be the case. So very exciting. We could just buy coin and then never pay another gas fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the, the other probably important piece to mention, um, between the, the Ethereum token and, uh, the mainnet token is the, the consensus algorithm where y'all are working on uh, proof of burn, which is going to be a novel approach to consensus. Uh, but the, the ERC 20 token was launched with proof of work, right? Mm -hmm. Which is known, like Bitcoin runs on proof of work. Ethereum does currently. Um, most people who know about blockchain, to some level of understanding, know about uh, proof of work. Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, that lends itself well to, and actually, we we talked about proof of work as the onboarding algorithm uh, in the episode with Steve. So that's a good one if you haven't listened to. Uh, the deep dive on the consensus white paper. Uh, go back and listen to the episode with Steve Trevino. Um, but yeah, so proof of work, proof of burn. Uh, the the proof of work algorithm, we're not really running that anymore. I think a couple people might still be running uh, the miner, but it's prohibitively expensive to do so today. Um, so we get questions all the time on Telegram and Discord asking, 
uh, you know, how do I run the miner? Uh, but there's 99.5 million out of 100 million possible tokens minted. Uh, and getting to that last 500K is just too expensive. You'd burn way more in Ethereum than you'd make back in coin. Um, so yeah. So that's the that's the main differences going from ERC-20 to mainnet. So looking ahead, looking to mainnet, the let's talk about the supply side of the economics equation. Um, sure. There's so for supply, you've got inflation and deflation. Um, can you talk about where, like, how those two pieces play together? Um, what causes inflation? How much there's going to be? deflation, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's going to be an inflationary asset in which, uh, you know, as, as blocks are produced, the, the uh, producers will gain a reward. Um, there will be the uh, deflation in the form of the proof of burn to, to become a block producer in some way you're going to burn coin and then you will make it back as you produce blocks. The, uh, Right now, it's looking like the uh, a target inflation rate is going to be set um, by governance, and so the you know the economics are, are going to be like the rewards and everything are going to be balanced such that the network attempts to you know uh, uh, maintain that inflation rate. So like a you know something reasonably uh, reasonably low, so it doesn't get out of control. Um, you know, but those are the, basically the two forces. The burning of coin is is deflation, and the uh, you know the minting for block rewards is inflation. Gotcha. Yeah. So, and then those two play off of each other. Where over time we'll still have it, it'll be inflationary. Um, yes. But at any given you know shorter term period, you may see deflation. Um, <laughs> so. To give an example, the numbers here, we start off with close to 100 million tokens in circulation. Um, I think the, the white paper calls out 33% being the magic number for how much we want burned at any given time. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't fully understand that bit personally. So if you want to go into that, that would be uh, might be helpful. Um, but just for sake of example, uh, that would bring us down to 66, 67 million in circulation. So that's deflation right at mainnet launch just to secure the network. Um, and then inflation beyond that, the rewards will be distributed to people who are securing the network by burning their tokens. And it'll trend up from that 66 million over time, but it could still fluctuate up and down from that number. Yeah, correct. Um, <clears throat> I, I mean, it, it will fluctuate, but uh, you know, the, the way in which the, the rewards will be um, distributed will incentivize a certain inflation rate. So, you know, it will stabilize um, in long term. Yeah. Cool. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so that covers inflation. I, I, I do. So a lot of people ask, like, oh, this is an inflationary asset. Uh, why would you bother with that? Bitcoin is going to top out at 21 million or actually 21 billion. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, tokens. So that's a much better asset. Um, now, my view has always been that coin is a utility 
token. It's not just a store of value. So if you believe in the utility of it, the inflation part of it shouldn't matter because um, there's actually something you can buy with it, right? Bitcoin doesn't have utility unless people accept it as a form of payment for something. Uh, the utility is defending it. Um, but coin has utility baked into the platform, which is key. Cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and the fact that, I, I mean, the, the inflation, um, <clears throat> you know, the inflation will be kept under control. So it will be predictable. And, you know, we expect things like mining pools for, you know, if, if people want to ride the inflation without running a full node. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. Where uh, if you're if you're in the the network early and you own some coin and, and you're worried about inflation, if you're a participant in the network, uh, you should be able to keep up with inflation, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So that's supply side. Moving on to demand, uh, we did mention the utility side, right? So some of the demand <laughs> comes from the utility of it. Um, I, so I, I have my own kind of spin on how to think about, uh, the utility of it and what the value of coin is when you compare it to something like Ethereum. And I'm not talking about like, what do people price it at? But like, what is, what is it worth to me in order to use it for, for its utility? Um, I'm curious if you have a, a take on that, uh, for, from the demand side, I guess, just what's your take on demand? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, as you said, it's, it's a utility token holding it, uh, holding coin gives you man in which you can interact with, with smart contracts, you know, without, without spending it. Um, so just holding it gives you, uh, gives you that utility. Right. Yeah. And that's the, the utility of it, right is you can use the mana mm -hmm. to pay uh, for the platform, like for, for, your, for what you do. You can, in the same way you use Ethereum to pay for gas fees, you use mana. Right, yeah, exactly. But, you know, of course you do this without, in Ethereum, you, you are, you know, you're paying. You're, right. you, are, you have less Ethereum, you know, with this, of course you use the mana and your mana regenerates. Right, time. right. So coin is really like, Holding coin is, it's basically a voucher or a coupon for uh, recurring access to a network for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Which is cool. So when I think of like demand and its impact on price, assuming a perfect world where people see Ethereum and Coinos as equivalent, which is, I mean, that remains to be seen. We'll see how the market reacts to it over time. Uh, the, the demand side of it is, um, let's say it costs you one ETH worth of fees to pay for everything you want to do on Ethereum each year, right? Mm -hmm. Then uh, with Coinos, you, you need to look at how much mana it would take for you to run an equivalent uh, amount of interactions with the blockchain for that year uh, and then how much coin it takes to generate that much mana should be priced equivalently mm -hmm. to one ETH 
I don't know if that made total sense or we followed that, but basically, no, I, yeah, I think I know yeah. what you're saying. Okay. So, so yeah. So basically if you, if you look at it, it's a multiple, right? Where mm-hmm. if you could go and eat every day at a restaurant for 10 bucks a day, right, 30 bucks a day, whatever your restaurants cost where you live, um, mm-hmm. then that's paying a fee every time you use the thing. Right. Um, so if you were presented with a, uh, a coupon for your local restaurant that if you hold it, you can eat there for free for an entire year, you're going to value that more than $30, right? Of course. Yeah, right. sure. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. And, and, you know, there, there is, there of course is more value to that, but uh, you know, an interesting thing that comes of that though, is now you have this voucher and if you decide you don't need it anymore, it's an asset you hold that you can sell. You know, you yeah. weren't, you weren't draining it like you were your wallet buying the lunch every, every day. Right. Yeah. And not only that, you can also, uh, you can delegate it or share it around. Right. So Correct. if you've got a friend or, uh, you know, if you want to set up your own restaurant <laughs> or just pipe in food from the other restaurant, I don't know, that's now just getting weird now. Uh, then you can do that, right? And you can mm-hmm. you can use your voucher to to fuel those things. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, the possibilities are, are definitely fascinating, and we're you know we're excited to see what people do with this. This is, I mean, this is obviously new, you know, a, a new thing, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But it's you know it's going to be really exciting. Yeah, definitely. It it's hard to it's hard to imagine like the future price of coin until people really start using it uh, on mainnet because like, there's so much, I mean, there's so much to, to discover how the market reacts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you like, I, I'm kind of from a, an enterprise type of background working with companies that uh, think about how much they're going to spend on cloud stuff for mm-hmm. their servers for the year. Um, so we, we did exercises like capacity planning and uh, there was always a discussion about, you know, oh, how much is it going to cost us this year? Um, let's plan for that. Can we allocate capital for, for a capital expenditure um, up front in order to save money over the course of the year? So with something like Ethereum, it's, all operational expenses. You're buying Ethereum and spending it. It's mm-hmm. just in and out. Like you can you can try to time the market and buy at certain times or whatever, but ultimately it's buy and spend. Um, with coin, it's a total shift from OPEX operational expenditures to CAPEX. So it, your your exercise of capacity planning is very different on this network. So I'm curious to see how enterprises react to that mental model and that financial model. Yeah, no, that's, uh, uh, that, that's an interesting point of view that you have there, actually. That's, uh, that's a fascinating way to look at it. It is going to be a totally different way of, of planning for companies. Yeah, definitely. On blockchain, that's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I like it, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm curious to see how how the market reacts. It's really hard to predict things like that. Um, it is, but I mean, of course, we think it's a better paradigm too. <laughs> yeah. 
but I think it's fair to say that it's an alternate paradigm, right? Yeah, it, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes, we, we all have our biases. I agree. I think it's better, but I don't think that Koinos is really trying to like kill Ethereum. It's not going to replace. No, Ethereum. we're not trying to murder Ethereum. No, absolutely. Um, I think there's room for for both to exist, uh, and people can use either mm -hmm. um, depending on their needs. So we'll see. Um, cool. So so that's the, the token supply and demand. Hopefully that helps with tokenomics a little bit. Another thing that tends to come up around this topic is the distribution. Um, now, I know uh, Coinos went through the FAIR launch. And we talked a little bit about the proof of work algorithm. Everybody had to mine. There was no pre-mining phase where it was closed. Um, you know, there was no ICO. It's had to show up, you had to run uh, the miner, and you were allocated tokens based on your effort there. Um, do, you, do you want to go into any more detail about the fair launch? I, I'm kind of skimming over it. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, the, uh, you know, the, we, we wanted it to, we wanted to make sure that uh, everyone started you know, with with exactly well, with no advantages, including us. You know, we had right. no advantages. We we mined like everyone else. Um, yeah. You know, we we wanted it to be completely and totally fair. Yeah. And we, you know, I think we accomplished that. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it went well. It's um, I mean, you you had to you just had to show up, right? As long as you right. you put in the time and the money up front. Um, you you could get coin. It was open to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, so, so thinking about that, the fair launch. This is very similar to the way like Bitcoin launched, um, and I, I think it's interesting that so many projects and protocols are doing um, ICOs. I, I think the uh, the white paper says something about how. Uh, you all believe that an ICO or a pre-mine phase uh, incentivizes bad behavior or something like that uh, for for protocols specifically. Mm -hmm. um, so for Coinos, since it's such a low, it, it's a is it fair to say it's low level? It's a I mean, it's a layer one block. It's yes, yeah. It's I, I mean it, yeah, it's a framework. Yeah. Right, so it's a layer zero framework. Really, yeah. Um, but the the token distribution specifically for mainnet, which is a layer one blockchain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. We're, we're splitting hairs here. Um, so so yeah. Anyway, the the point of this talking about distribution, um, this was influenced by your the team's experience uh, with Steam, where. Uh, I don't remember the full details, but the the founders, I think it was, of mm -hmm. the the Steam blockchain started it early without telling anybody and mm -hmm. started mining early and got a head start and got a, a larger stake than they probably should have if they'd stuck to the original date. Correct. Um, so <laughs> so yeah. Um yeah, we definitely wanted to avoid that this time and make it as fair as possible. And, and actually to be, uh, uh, 
you know, the, the initial distribution is still ongoing. You know, we, we still haven't launched mainnet. It's right. The mining is more or less over, but you know, the price of the token, uh, you know, we, we believe it is, is undervalued from where it should be once we launch mainnet. So there's still opportunity for, you know, for, for people sure. to get in this initial distribution phase. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, the, so the, the Uniswap uh, setup for, for coin that came about uh, uh, some community members set that up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, it's interesting that we're still distributing the token. The people who did the mining, um, some of them are cashing out a portion of their stake and mm -hmm. distributing the token further to smaller token holders. Um, so yeah, it, if you look at the the distribution specifically to like wallets um, and how it's broken down, it's a very even breakdown. There's no one wallet holding 50% of the coin. Um, I think the maximums are around 2% and there's only like four or five wallets with that much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even though there's a, I think, I think you're right. It's undervalued because like, if you look at people who are holding coin and not selling, it's a massive percentage of, uh, of the, the token, like it's just not in circulation. People don't want to sell. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And as you said, some of the larger address, uh, some of the larger holders did, you know, did sell and that allowed it to be distributed more evenly. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, it, it is, it is still being distributed. So I, uh, we don't know, like, obviously m people could hold multiple wallets so we don't know if there's somebody out there who uh, owns a very large stake, whether that would be the Coinos group or uh, somebody else. We don't have those details right now. We have some sense that things were uh, distributed well and fairly, but the, I think it's fair to say that we don't know how much you all hold, right? Correct, yeah. Right now, we're not uh, ready to disclose that, but uh, I will say we have not sold any. Right. Um, you know, as the company, we, we are holding what we have. Yeah, and I've heard from uh, from Andrew that, uh, that the CEO, if you, if you don't know already, um, that the team doesn't want to sell ever if you can help it, right? Correct. Going back to the, uh, <laughs> the, the voucher analogy, uh, if you have a coupon for free lunch forever, why would you want to sell that? <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just for anybody who's looking at tokenomics, considering investing in coin at this point, obviously there's, there's some unknowns. Um, we don't know how much the Coinos group holds, but that makes this a speculative investment. And I think that that's baked into the price right now. If you go on, uh, on Uniswap, uh, like I said, people who hold coin are very excited about this project. I think we all see huge potential, think it could be worth a lot. 
Um, but if you're looking at putting up your own money, just know that it is speculative. So don't put in anything that you're not willing to lose. Although I think uh, all of us here would say that is unlikely, uh, but your opinion may be different. So do your own research and uh, take this at face value. <laughs> all right. Um, well, Nathan, this was a great discussion. I, I really appreciate the work you've done on the CLI and everything else on Coinos. Um, excited about tokenomics. I think it's a really interesting discussion we just had. Um, but I think for today, we've probably drained those topics. So uh, why don't we wrap up there? And I'll just say thanks so much for your time. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. Well, join me next week for the Coin Press podcast. I'll be interviewing the last member of the Coinos group, Ron Amenahem. Probably butchering your name there, Ron. Sorry about that. We'll get that sorted out next week. Uh, all right. So thanks, everybody. Bye for now.